Okay, welcome back, Creatures of the Night, for the a very special uh, June episode, while recording in July, of the uh, uh, Undertaker's gimmick matches with Randy Turco, my uh, very best friend, uh, fellow um, Undertaker enthusiast, and the only person that I would choose for this uh, look back at Undertaker's gimmick matches, which I think we are coming up to a year if we have not already surpassed that doing this. But we have a very special episode today. Um, three Faces of Mankind matches. Um, taking a look back at the Shark Cage match at Survivor Series 1996. A very random No Holds Barred Raw match from 1996. And the main event, why you are all here, the look back at the infamous Hell in the Cell from King of the Ring 1998 just celebrating its 25th anniversary and I don't know about you Randy but I don't think we can live up to the Mankind Undertaker watch along they just had on WWE's YouTube I don't think we can live up to that standard but we will try our best uh, but uh, welcome Randy and um, tell the audience tell the creatures of the night how you doing how's everything been and what's new in your world? Yeah, man, it's uh, this is our June episode. As you said, it's re- being recorded on July 1st. So maybe it's uh, June 31st? We can call it June Possibly, 31st. Possibly, yeah. June 31st, we were set to go yesterday, but uh, work days are hell sometimes, and some of us fall asleep on the, the BBC. <laughs> I, and that, that was Stephen. Stephen fell asleep <laughs> on the BBC. And uh, he texted me, and it was like, I think he was texting me, and it was probably about 9 o'clock my time, which means it was like 10 o'clock your time. And to your credit, sir... You were ready to go. You're like, man, I fell asleep totally on me. If you want to go, I will go. And I'm like, dude, we could go at 10 o'clock Eastern and go till 1130, but it's later for you than it's later for me. And you were like, yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, some days just harder than most, but we persevere, we push through. And yeah, so we're kind of, we came to you for, on a Sunday last month last month was the first time we recorded on a sunday the day of our lord of darkness and then today it's saturday saturday night's all right for a fight right we watched three fights actually today so right to get and not only all the days of the week and not only that you know they're gonna, we are going to provide them two episodes in july then you That's know it's true. You know, you miss out on June, but you get a double feature in July. So in a couple weeks, we will be coming back to you with a next round of Undertaker's Gimmick Match Watch Along, which uh, we will probably figure out maybe by the end of this episode what the heck we are doing. Oh, yeah, we, you and I have texted about it before, so I know what it is, but I'm not telling until until the end of the episode. Oh. That's, the, that's the hook right there. Oh, you, so everybody, you got to wait till the end of the episode to find out what the heck we are doing later on this month. But right now... We'll bring you to Mick Foley, Mankind, Three Faces of Mankind today. Um, so just a little background before we give, jump right into Survivor Series 1996. Uh, Undertaker, of course, feuding with Mankind uh, ever since the night after WrestleMania 12. Mankind making his grand debut, defeating The Undertaker at King of the Ring. And something that was supposed to be only one-off. Undertaker's initially supposed to defeat Mankind at the King of the Ring. Well, Undertaker said, well, hang on, we think we can make something more out of this. And indeed they did. 
Not only did they go to King of the Ring, they went to SummerSlam with the Boiler Room Brawl. They went to the Buried Alive match. And then when Undertaker, although winning the match, ends up buried alive and being resurrected the same night, you know, Day of Our Lord of Darkness, uh, he, is, he is fully resurrected here at the Survivor Series, donning a new gimmick, new attire, and a very special entrance fitting of the Batman, who is all the rage in the 90s. So, um, anything you want to add before we jump right in? Monumental Night Survivor Series 1996 at Madison Square Garden. Oh, I, yeah. I did notice as I was scrubbing through the pay-per-view the, the like the lower third graphic with everybody's name as they come out of, uh, you know down the aisle has the twin towers with the Survivor Series logo. So that's a little ominous considering what happens five years later. Yeah. Uh, that was the night uh, Bret Hart returned after that WrestleMania 12 loss to Shawn Michaels. And then oh. the whole, I don't know if I'm going to leave WWF or not. He decides to stay and he signs that gazillion dollar contract, 20 year contract. Oh my God. Who does he think honor. he is? 2019 Undertaker? <laughs> uh, the Rock uh, debuts at this pay-per-view on this night. And then uh, Psycho Sid would win the uh, the WWF title from Shawn Michaels just so he could lose it back to him. Wow. Rumble in San Antonio. So pretty big night in addition to this match that we're we're going to cover, which I wanted to cover this. This was a personal, I don't want to say a favorite of mine, but something I was after was to cover this. And I'm like, I don't know if you can count this as a gimmick match because sure the match can. itself is a regular match. But Paul Bear is suspended above the ring in a shark cage number one so he can't interfere um but number two so if the undertaker wins there's incentive because he can get five he can get quote five minutes alone with paul bear and i don't know what that implies anything can happen in the wwf that's but I'm guessing right it's gonna, be, it's gonna beat him up that shark cage is pulling double duty pulling heavy duty this <laughs> night uh, yeah, yes, yeah, but so I, was, I was glad that when you said like, yeah, man, that's a gimmick match. Totally. Let's shoehorn that in there. I was, I was Why not? Glad I wanted to, I definitely wanted to cover it. Yeah. And this match leads to, I think the infamous Armageddon rules match the following month against the executioner. If that is ever a forgettable match, I don't know what is. <laughs> right. Uh, so you know, we're going to start probably, we have three matches tonight. We'll, We'll start uh, at, you know, at the bell ringing and skip all the pomp and circumstance, but uh, I do want to mention that during the entrances, they uh, Vince called uh, the shark cage a whale cage tonight. <laughs> yes, uh, I heard that. That was a good, that was a good line, and uh, as you mentioned, Undertaker's entrance uh, is the, the Batman entrance. Of course, he died. Undertaker died uh, at... Uh, For the second time, Comics. I think. Yeah, he's died a lot. He's like a cat, you know, but... Uh, so he dies at, uh, at Buried Alive. He comes back uh, in resurrected Batman form, and we're doing, like, the Sting entrance. Obviously, Owen Hart hasn't happened yet, so we're doing the repelling from the ceiling thing. And I always say that this is the uh, – it is the Batman entrance for sure. He's got all leather. He looks like 1968 Elvis on the comeback show. He's got the bat wings. And I, I don't know how much of a full house aficionado you are, Stephen. Somewhat. There was an episode where Jesse, Uncle Jesse, and his band, The Rippers, were trying to be like hardcore because they wanted yes. to make it in America as big as they were in Japan. And so he changes his name to Vulture, and at the Smash Club, he repels from the ceiling 
with bat wings and he's sticking his tongue out and I'm like that's the Undertaker in 1996 Survivor Series that's exactly what that is Undertaker must have been a full house aficionado I gotta look it up I gotta see who, like who came first the chicken or the egg was it Uncle Jesse as Vulture or was oh it, it has to be has to be. I think Full House was over by 96. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the last season was like 97. So chances are Uncle Jesse as Vulture came first. Yeah, Undertaker, a secret Full House aficionado and, here. And I know you're a Batman guy, but it's I so am. funny what the brain sees. Like, you see that entrance and you're like, Batman. I see that entrance and I'm like, that's Vulture. That's Uncle Bro. Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was thinking of watching this Undertaker's entrance and then we can... Uh, Skip the next ones, because um, sure. okay. uh, even maybe yeah, we'll skip. We'll probably finish. We'll probably start the Hell in a Cell with Undertaker's entrance, since it's just it leads right into him climbing the cage. Yeah, right. So um, we'll probably watch this Undertaker's entrance. So actually, I am queued up at twenty nine twenty two, just as the gong hits. Let me see. You know what? I'm on King of the Ring, which is not the right show. So. Oh, oh. You know what? You button hooked me because I thought we were gonna do. Oh, you um, thought we were gonna lead with the with the. Uh, yes, and then Stephen was. You pulled a Vince McMahon on me. Last minute changes. Ah, yes. <laughs> I can queue it up. It's a lot easier on the iPad now that I've switched off of uh, um, the TV. Oh, good. But yes, we are in 1996 Survivor Series. Uh, he is shoehorned in between two Batman movies, 1995's Batman Forever and 1997's Batman and Robin. So Undertaker definitely drawing inspiration from the 90s Batman mania. Uh, sidebar, why I'm... Why I'm sidebar? Why Survivor Series here. I know you are a little bit of a Batman expert. Yes. Uh, I grew up... You know, with Michael Keaton, yeah. I grew up with Batman '89, and um, you know, Batman Returns, and uh, even I mean, Alicia Silverstone was one of my high school crushes. So oh I loved yes, the Batman. I think it's Batman and Robin in '97. Yeah. Right? So uh, even that movie was pretty decent to me. What is your? What would you say? And I, but I don't. I know nothing about like Christian Bale with the the voice. I don't know anything about any of those Batman movies. I've never seen Dark Knight. You know, taxi cab oh my gosh! Saturday night. I, I've never seen it just because it's not something I've been into. Because I'm I'm very loyal to Michael Keaton and that whole those like three or four movies that they came out with. So, what would you say is your favorite era or at least favorite movie if you've got one? Oh my gosh! Well, uh, it's got to be my Batman, Val Kilmer, Batman Forever. It's got to be night, you know, Batman Forever. That's you know that that one and Batman and Robin, George Clooney. Those are like my childhood Batmans because I missed Keaton, born in '92. I had just missed you know '89 and Batman Returns. So the first one I was really able to watch. I think they had Batman Forever on TV, in like in '96, and then they had I saw Batman and Robin in the theaters in '97. So it has to be it has to be Val Kilmer and George Clooney those two like the nineties the the um, more light hearted campy nineties movies that's and ever since then you know like I I go back and watch Keaton I like Keaton's movies um, but just those four in the nineties the two Keatons Kilmer and Clooney I feel like nothing really Batman really never grabbed me as much as those ones did 
ever since That's then. That's a good answer. I'm, I'm, I like the 90s ones. I can live with that. It's just the ones, obviously, like 1966 Batman with Adam West. I've seen it. It's funny. It's great. But it's before my time. And then I feel like the Christian Bale stuff is after my time. Like, like I'm like, uh, I'm not watching that, you know. But the the 90s are, that's my wheelhouse too. So maybe I'll have to do some Batman watch-alongs. Oh, we have to, you know, we have to do Batman <laughs> watch-alongs now. We have to invite Alex and, and have him watch it as well. Yeah, yeah. What uh, And Travis. I think Travis yes. is the big, uh, uh, over at Talking Taker, he's the big Batman guy. What, um, what's 29 minutes and how many seconds? 22. 22. I am... 20, 21, 22. Uh, just, I am ready when you are, sir. Perfect. That we shall count it down. 3, 2, 1, play. Paul Bear looking very worried. Uh, definitely selling the Undertaker's entrance as the light goes out. Well, I mean, you would too. I would, I've heard a lot of wrestlers say, like, you know it's fictional, and I, I know the guy personally backstage, but, like, something about being in that ring and the lights go out and the music starts playing he's coming for you like that works on you mentally you know? oh yeah he switches there he is with his wings kind of like Gene Simmons from Kiss a little bit definitely Batman and maybe part Uncle Jesse <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, we are doing a live Google here Uncle Jesse is Vulture see when that happened you know this is going to be in my tweet, right? When I sell the Oh, I'm sure it will be. The watch along, yeah. <laughs> They've got good camera work here as they pan away. I mean, it's dark, but I mean, they pan away. Looking at the crowd and all the lights, which I don't... These lights are, I guess, lighters in 1996. They're not oh, cell yeah. but they are panning away from everybody as The Undertaker is getting, no doubt, detached from this zip line or whatever he was using to get from the roof or from the ceiling there he is and for the first time Steven all leather like I said 1968 comeback at Elvis put no gloves for the first time ever and you'll notice I'll try to see if I can come back Elvis he, he he like adjusts his gloves like he reaches for his gloves to adjust them a couple times throughout this match it's just like habit you know yeah and the only reason they get him, Paul Bear, into the cage is that the Undertaker intimidates him into the cage. He escapes the Undertaker by getting into the cage, and then Mankind jumps him, and the bell rings, and we're off. I mean, you gotta have that visual of just Undertaker reaching into the bars. You gotta right. have that visual. Mankind in his original brown jumpsuit. It's not the shirt and tie Mankind that we would see in 1998. I think Vince does mention at some point during this match, uh, opening that there's no uh, <laughs> there's no rain coming from above. Oh uh, my as this god! <laughs> so update: it it takes place uh, season five, episode two, Matchmaker Michelle. Air date September twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. Oh my gosh! Not even close. Five years. Yeah. I the, the only ascertainable explanation here is that the undertaker is a fan of full house saw the episode of course remembered it and when his one of his first big comebacks he was like you know what vulture Jesse. yes yeah. undertaker with a fireman's carry there i mean the man can wrestle without question but he doesn't often break out the fireman's carry yeah 
It's well, like, it's, uh, you, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You, you, his M.O. is brawling and punching and kicking and stunning. And, but then you see him do, like, actual wrestling moves in WCW against Ricky Steamboat. And you're like, who is this guy, you know? <laughs> Undertaker extending the arm and doing a submission hold. Like, what, what is this Undertaker? I love the psychology that he's pulling here, which is like, I'm going to attack that mandible claw hand all night, so if it gets put on me, it's not going to be as effective. I love right. it. See, so he continues to work on it, slamming it into the guardrail. I don't know how this man is wrestling in all leather, by the way. I, I told the story on Talking Taker a couple months ago in the haircut episode about trying to lift weights in jeans. It was just not for me. I don't know how he's wrestling in all of them. Trying to lift weights and jeans. Yeah, I tried to lift weights and jeans, and it was like a tangled hammock between my legs. It was bad. I don't know how he's wrestling in leather, but it, the leather doesn't last very long, and we'll get into that later, how long it lasts. Yeah, he slammed it against the ring rope. Look at this. He's using the tag rope to tie it around the... Uh, uh, the mandible claw fingers, almost like some people tie string around a wart to try to like cut off circulation to it. Great psychology here. I think he's gonna miss an elbow here, Steven, and he's gonna grab that glove. That's the uh. He's gonna get up and grab that glove. Or adjust it. See? It ain't there. He's like reaching for a glove that's not there because this is his first match without it. They're going back out to the outside. I noticed Mankind's, uh, his, his uh, boots there. Those are the boots that I used to use in No Mercy for my guy, my character. I would turn the, the brown stripes there. I would turn them into blood red because that was my color. Of course. Uh, but uh, Icon 2000, I2K, that was, my, wow. that was my character. He had those boots. And just watching this match, I just, it just re, uh, revitalizes the idea we need an updated Defining Moments Undertaker figure. Of course, I would love that. You're preaching in the choir there. A little darker hair, true effects. Going back into the ring, and he's still working on. Like instead of slamming his head into the turnbuckle, he slams the uh, his hand into the turnbuckle. Oh, uh, low blow. <laughs> is this the debut of the of the teardrop? I feel like it yes, is. it is. The teardrop debut. Match. Oh my god. And That's he, why I wanted to cover this today. And right he here. has it for a whole year, I believe. Nice little Adam Page dive there by, uh, by Mankind. Oh yes, the Adam Page dive. Made yeah. famous in 1996. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mick Foley always, they talk about like, oh, nobody's had success against The Undertaker like this guy. And it's always like, okay, they say that about everybody, but... Mick Foley probably is the most legitimate out of all those people. Like you, you were, like you were saying at the top, he beat him at King of the Ring, he beat him at SummerSlam, and it, he didn't beat him again. So Mick says he's about two and ninety-eight against the Undertaker, but that's actually pretty good when you consider everybody else's record against the Undertaker. And he didn't beat him at uh, Buried Alive, but he kind of got the the last laugh actually burying him alive. So that wasn't a win, but it kind of was. But He's had a hell of a record in this initial feud here with the company. Yeah. Mick 
Mankind, I think Mankind, Austin, and Lesnar, I think, probably have the best records against them. Right? And I think, is this the last, these two matches we're doing, I think that's the blow-off for this original 96 run that you mentioned. It started at WrestleMania 12, the day after, I guess, WrestleMania 12. Mm -hmm. And it goes all the way to, to this match, and this eventually they have like a TV blow-off. Because what, what's, what's a year-long feud, if not blowing it off on... TV with one more match, just give it away for free. I mean, come on. 80 million times already. Um, yeah, I think these are the last two matches of this original little run that they have together. They'll meet up in 97 once. They'll meet up in 98 and tag team stuff, uh, and obviously in the Hell in a Cell. But this, this original 96 run here, I think this is it. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Mankind challenges him for his championship in 97, burns the Undertaker's eye... So, naturally, the pay-per-view has to be Revenge of the Taker. Yes, they, uh... And Mick talked about it on his podcast. He's like, he always, I think a couple times in his career, he's been the first challenger for the new champion. So, with Undertaker in 97, Stone Cold in 98, he was the yeah. first guy. And he always felt like that was an honor. Like, we need to give it this very big match to somebody that can take care of our new champion and make him look good. And they always turned to Mick, and he felt like that was flattery. Well, as he should. He should, absolutely. Mankind getting that patented uh, Mick Foley wedgie pile driver where he <laughs> pile drives the guy while like pulling on his drawers. Going for that mandible claw, but that hand's been getting beat up all night. That's right, it's damaged. That's right. going for that choke slam. Big meanie pop. Oh, no. Just kidding. Reverse. He's going to go for a tombstone. Then it's reversed into the mandible claw. So now he's got the mandible claw on him. And now we're going to find out if the Undertaker's work he's been doing for this whole match is going to pay off. And it does as he easily throws him to the outside. Easily reversible. I wonder if Mankind was going to be Undertaker's WrestleMania opponent if he did not challenge Cycle Sid for the championship. It could have been a good match. I mean, if they didn't have this year-long feud, obviously. Well, what uh, is what is 1997 Vince McMahon if not continuing a year-long feud? Right, right. It just amazes me. Um, I think I was listening to... Was it? I think I was listening to the Mick Foley podcast, and they were talking about, or maybe it was Talking Taker. I was listening to something recently when I was doing yard work, and it was like just talking about how fast like Sid fell down the pecking order in '97. Like he drops that belt to Taker at WrestleMania, and by like June, it's softball season, and he's nowhere to be found. I mean, it was just crazy how quick that was. Oh my God! Taker. Does he Taker. do anything after that WrestleMania? I mean, I think he showed up on Raw a few times, but... Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't think he did anything major after that. It was, that was it. Then he goes to WCW and breaks his leg. Yes. Yeah, it was 2001. I'll never forget that. Oh, old school check. Very important to this podcast. Yes, old well, it's check. Mankind, so he may he may not hit it. Oh, my gosh. He hits it. Of course he hits it, the old school. 
He's getting this at like an 80% clip, I'd say, as we watch them. Yeah. Nice little neck breaker there by Mankind, and now he's in full control, but he's like, it's just the weirdest thing. Like, none of these guys are Randy Savage, right? And like, he's going to go to the top rope on The Undertaker. And not only that, the furthest away top rope. Right, right, yeah. Not the one closest. No, this one's in Staten Island. The Undertaker just sits right up and just starts pounding him. A very young, very skinny Mike Chioda. Yes, with a little bit of a mullet. Oh, off the top rope into the choke slam. Oh, but now uh, uh, I never understood. Why didn't he just bite down? It's a good question. Well, maybe he's paralyzed. He's, he's, oh, uh, that's it's a, right. It's a nerve hold. It's a nerve hold. Oh, that's right. It's a nerve hold. He's paralyzing him. Right. But it has been damaged all night, as JR just pointed out. JR does make reference to the teardrop, by the way. He does say at some point in this match, he says he's got some sort of marking under his right eye. So they do talk about the teardrop. Some sort of marking. Yeah. Did right. somebody throw a pregnancy test inside the ring? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I called it a prison shank, but I like pregnancy <laughs> tests better. I like that better. <laughs> A prison shank. I don't, and I don't know if did Paul toss it from the shark cage or did it fall out of like mankind's pants, but the world may never know. Now the mystery is who who's pregnant in this match? Is it? It's gotta be Paul Bearer. Paul Bearer, uh, <laughs> Mike Kyoto with his mullet, or or mankind. Undertaker deciding that this mandible claw is not as effective as it usually is, and he's starting to <clears throat> take her up. Yeah, it's undeniable that prison shank thing laying there. Choke slam by the Undertaker. Taker sitting up. Oh, and he dives over the top rope. If this was the Royal Rumble. Oh, he eliminated. Would have eliminated himself. Would there be anything worse than eliminating yourself? Oh, he went for another Nest T plunge, another Adam Page dive, but no water in the pool. Undertaker's red hair, very visible here in this iteration of The Undertaker. Uh, all leather pants and shirt. Gave up on the black dye in his hair, but he's still doing, I feel like he's still doing the pale makeup on his face because he looks really, really, really pale. Yeah, very pale. There it is. This match, uh, Steven, I just got back into wrestling in the month prior, so I, I don't know if I've ever told the story, but going around the horn in my room, I could get the pay-per-view channels 
they just were snow. I could hear. Audio was perfect. Mm -hmm. But it was just snow. I couldn't see it. And that included Channel 99, but also Channel 95, which was wrestling or, you know. Channel 95. Channel 95 was like wrestling, MMA, sports. 99 was a different kind of sport, but you could hear everything. My Um, God. Which was also, which was also beneficial to a teenage boy, but I digress. We will go back to Channel 95. And uh, Channel 95, I, I was I was out of wrestling. I was 14 at 15, and I'm like, I'm into Nirvana and flannel shirts. Oh, and he used the pregnancy test on him. Did you see it? He Damn it. Um, and so I, I quit wrestling, and it was about the time it was all Doink the Clown and Duke the Dumpster, and it was a good time to get out. And then I was flipping channels, and I got to pay Channel 95, and uh, I could hear them talking about a Buried Alive match tonight with Undertaker and Mankind, and somebody's going to be buried alive in the arena, and I heard Undertaker, who was my guy when I was a kid, and I heard bury someone alive in the arena, and I was just like, I'm sorry, what is this? So I, <laughs> I'm I sorry, stayed, what is this? Yeah, I, I stayed on Vince McMahon is condoning live murder? <laughs> yeah, I stayed on that channel, even though it was snow, and I listened to it like it was the radio for the rest of the night, and like starting the next day, I was watching Raw, and I was back. <laughs> And so I'm, I'm one month in here. I'm one month returned, and this is the first. I'm probably watching this on Channel 95 Snow. Oh, here we go. Boomstone. They got tangled off the top rope. Mankind's trying to use the pregnancy test and the mandible claw. Undertaker just grabs him and tombstones him. That's it. He gets five minutes alone with Paul Bear. To do whatever he wants, Channel 95 or Channel 99. It's his choice. <laughs> Paul Bear looks scared in that shark cage right now. Well, as would you. Good thing he's wearing dark pants, JR says. JR is just on fire today. JR and Vince are on fire here. There he goes. Good thing he's wearing dark pair of pants. He just he just finished uh, like maybe two minutes ago said there's some kind of unusual marking on the Undertaker's left eye. Oh, and here comes the executioner doing a, a light jog-in. A light jog-in, getting tangled in the ropes there. Terry Gordy is the executioner, the hired assassin of Paul Bear. Oh my gosh, you know, if you gotta that- hire an assassin, you gotta hire Terry Gordy. Yeah, well, yeah, after your prime Terry Gordy. He's been a burr in the Undertaker's saddle since Buried Alive. He's the reason he, that match he actually got buried, and then... He's a distraction enough for Paul Bearer to slip away with Mankind, and the Undertaker slams that shark cage door out of frustration because he's going to have to wait another month to get his hands on Paul Bearer. Not only that, he's got to face that executioner one day in an Armageddon Rules match. And you know one day we're going to come over. It's a gimmick match. We're going to cover that Armageddon Rules match one day. Oh, yes. We have to. Luckily, that day is not today. That day is not today because now... Oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Let's say the Undertaker is off to face Executioner, as you said. He'll be in the Royal Rumble '97. He'll be in the Final Four when they replay it in February. And then he does face Sid and, and beat him for his second world title at WrestleMania 13. Mankind is going to tag with Vader for the tag team titles at WrestleMania 13, but he's going to lose to Owen and Davy Boy Smith. And like you said, he's going to be Taker's first challenger in April of '97. Revenge of the Taker, the first pay-per-view named after a superstar. There was a promo that Rock did in like uh, right before Rock Bottom, in your house, Rock Bottom '99, I want to say '98. '98. 
and Rock did. Rock was like, "It's the first pay-per-view named after a wrestler, Rock Bottom." And I was like standing in my living room going, "BS." Revenge of the Taker, 1997. Rock, know your history. Come on. Yeah, so that's where these guys are are going in the near to future. But where we're going is three weeks after this event. Right to Monday Night Raw. For a random Raw match, and and, uh, this match was kind of suggested by Alex Dorio of Talking Taker fame, and... uh, Alex, I don't know how in the hell you remembered a random match from Raw. Like, I know that you've covered every Taker match and feud since you know 2017 when you and Travis started doing this. But how he, we, you and I were texting about. I think Alex suggested you guys going to do something for Hell in a Cell 25th anniversary. We're like, yeah, we sure we should do that for June with a couple other Mankind matches. And I said I've always wanted to do that Shark Cage thing. I think I've just got a soft spot for that Shark Cage match, and then. Alex is like, how about, you know, uh, let, me, let me check my notes. How about season four, episode 48 of Raw, live from New Haven, Connecticut? It's a no holds barred match. And I'm like, what? <laughs> live <laughs> from New Haven, Connecticut? Because where else? I remember that, yeah. <laughs> because where else will you have a no holds barred match than New Haven, Connecticut? Right, it's the mean streets of New Haven. The betrayal. And the burial and the rebirth, as it's dubbed. I'm going to tell you where I'm at. I'm going to queue it up. Queue it up at 3710. You tell me if that's where you want to be. Season 4, episode 48. So this is December 9th. So we just watched Survivor Series 96. Uh, on November 17th, 1996, seven days after my 16th birthday. Ooh. And, and now this is three weeks later, I would say. Yeah, three weeks later on December 9th, 1996, from the main streets of New Haven. Um, and uh, the show highlights at the top of Raw and before the match are of their entire 1996 feud. So it's kind of giving you the impression that we're blowing it off here, folks. We've, we've made all the money we can make out of the original Undertaker Mankind feud as they stand right now. Characters story shift and change, so we can come back later, but as of now, we're done with it, and uh, this is sort of the blow-off to the original feud, as we talked about. Uh, that's been going since the night after WrestleMania 12, so April. March, March through, uh, or, yeah, March or April through December. I mean, it's a good chunk of 96 for the Undertaker, is Mankind, but it was a good, it was a good feud. Yeah. I mean, uh, besides mankind, who else in ninety? Who else in that latter half of '96 did you with besides Goldust? Right, right. I think it was just Goldust and mankind for the most part. Yeah, and I will note before we hit play that uh, this is, as far as I'm aware, this is the at least the TV finale of the 1968 Elvis comeback leather costume. <laughs> this is the end. <laughs> He wore it at Survivor Series to debut it. He wore it the day after Survivor Series on Raw. And he was then he missed Raw for a week or two because it's Thanksgiving and Raw's like an hour long at the time, so they're not gonna get everybody on every week and the Undertaker's a special attraction. And he wears it today, uh, in this match here with Mankind on twelve nine ninety six. <clears throat> and then he's kind of off the next couple Raws because we're getting towards towards Christmas. And I looked up 
he's in a couple of WWF superstars tapings for Saturday morning because they're still doing that, and he is not wearing. They don't air till January, like January second, third, fourth. Yeah, he has uh, like a hybrid version of it. It's like the the black le- uh, the black vest and like the tights or something like that. Right. Yeah. Same same getup, but it's just not leather, and so the. As far as I'm aware, and I, I spent way too much time researching how long this leather lasts, but uh, as far as I'm aware, this is the swan song for the leather Elvis getup. No, uh, no bat wings, no, no vulture tonight, but uh, he does wear the leather one more time. And you are at what? Thirty-seven what? Thirty-seven ten. And Stephen, I know you uh, are, are trying like heck to get to SummerSlam. We'll see what happens. You just bought a house. If you do get to SummerSlam, if there is an Undertaker show, I hope that your question for the Undertaker is, "How was it wrestling in leather?" <laughs> I hope that's your question. You today is the Money in the Bank pay per view, but now you have Money in the Bank because you've got a question ready for the Undertaker uh, if he does announce a Dead Man show, which hopefully will be announced soon. Now that the UK stuff is over with tonight, how was it wrestling in leather? Uh, yes, yes. Just imagine that set of questions. Um, what is the uh, purpose of the hook on your pants yes. <laughs> in the American Badass? Why did you sometimes hit your leg and raise your arm and sometimes not? And why, how was it wrestling in all leather? Mm. Right. I think there's some kind of or... fetish going on around in this type of group. <laughs> I'm like, oh, guilty. <laughs> Avoid the mutants over at table five. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I am already here at 37.10. Ready when you are. Okay, I'm ready. Give us the countdown. Okay. Three, two, one. Play. Boom, right into the bell. And right into Paul. Yeah, they never. They did not waste any time. They never did, Mankind and Undertaker. This is a blood feud. They don't have time for collar and elbow tie-ups at all. Big Undertaker flying clothesline right away. Undertaker comes out like a house of fire. This looks like it's going to be a squash match. Undertaker him. We're going for an old school check here, Steven. Not even one minute in. Oh, my God. He wants to put away mankind once and for all. And he's going to hit it. Two for two. Undertaker has a lot more makeup detail in his face today. For a choke slam. Holy cow, Undertaker's double parked. We're gonna go for a tombstone here. Undertaker is double parked. He's gotta get out of here. This looks like it's gonna be a squash. Earl Hebner's ready to count the three. And here comes that damn executioner. Uh, we've had him at Buried Alive, we had him at Survivor Series, we have him tonight. The Undertaker's gotta chase him off. He just needs that Armageddon rules match. And now we're going to go into a commercial break because it's raw for WWE The Music Volume 1, Full Metal, the album, which I still have, as you know. <laughs> of course, as I know. It's available at Kmart if you wanted to go pick it up. Oh, and now I've actually got a fe- uh, Me too. Peacock ad, so now we have to talk for 60 seconds about something else. Wow. You know, if I have to go to Kmart and pick it up, you know, you got a time machine handy? I believe they're all closed. I think there's like five Kmarts left. Uh, 
JR did have a good line already. We said that him and Vince are on fire. He said, mankind would rather fight a man than make love to a woman. That's uh, Jim Ross here at this this episode of Raw. Would rather okay. fight a man than make love to a woman. Jim Ross on fire here. Uh, this uh, December 9th, so he is, what, a month away from getting to Rumble 97. If I'm not mistaken, that's going to be where he gets that black hat, is at Rumble 97, because it's a theme show, San Antonio, Cowboys. That's Vince right. Makes them all, Vince makes them all wear cowboy hats, and Jim Ross is like, sassafras. <laughs> sassafras. He, he keeps it on, man. He never lets go of that black hat, and he got it at Royal Rumble 97, and so he's only a month away from having his life changed forever. Oh, my right. God. Back to the action. He's <laughs> going to be changed forever. Forever. And, you know, the Undertaker leather may only last a month, but it's it lasts for, like, 20 Jax BCA figures. So it it's immortalized at least 20 times in the Jax BCA figures for an attire that only lasts a month on television. Yeah, I don't know if he wore it in any house shows or anything. That I would love to know, but there's no way to check. Oh. I love these guys in the front row here as they're wrestling by the uh, ring steps. There's a guy in a very nice Christmas sweater right next to a guy in a Cactus Jack shirt, wanted dead or alive, and next to the guy in the wife beater. Very nice. Uh, oh, eclectic a very eclectic. <laughs> a, a Cactus Jack t-shirt, a Ric Flair, like, airbrushed shirt, a Christmas a yeah. Christmas sweater, a wife beater, and a jog suit. Yes. They all walk into a bar. <laughs> Sounds like a set up for a joke. <laughs> Undertaker attacking that mandible claw hand again. Doing if, what he did at, uh, at Survivor Series. I think if you want to encapsulate the 90s fashion, right there. Right. Wrestling t-shirt, mall t-shirt, Christmas sweater, jog suit, wife beater. 90s fashion. That's the name of a band right there, yeah. That's the name of a law firm. Taker has slammed that mandible claw in between the ring steps and now on a couple of the turnbuckles. He's using his Survivor Series tactics. Oh, and then uh, uh, Mankind, his strategy is to chop the big man down, so we're doing chop blocks. We're doing, as they call them, the Tanya Harding chop blocks. <laughs> the Tanya Harding chop blocks. Yeah. They didn't really mention it or cover it, but yeah, Mankind obviously used that executioner run-in and the commercial break to reverse his fortune because he was about done before oh, that. Oh, of course. That commercial break, you know, you you got to be quick on that. Right. There's the Armageddon rules match. Yeah, they're pumping up the uh, the pay-per-view. It's not Armageddon. I'm so used to Armageddon the pay-per-view in December. This is December's pay-per-view, but it's in your house. It's time. It's time. It's Vader time. Was Vader even on the show? Who knows? Uh, he might be. Is that where he challenges for the title? Hang know. on. Let's check. In your house, it's li time. Live live Googling. Oh my gosh. Twice in one episode. In your house, it's time. The name of the show was taken from Vader's catchphrase, indicating that he was originally scheduled to have a high-profile match on the show. But due to injuries, he was absent from the event. I thought so. 
What what's the pay per view? It's got I think it's No Way Out '98 where he wrestles Kane and then he gets beaten and he on the way back up the ramp he says I'm just a fat piece of shit. Do you remember that match? Like, it's like, Over the Edge '98. I was like, what? <laughs> I I'm just a fat piece of shit. <laughs> I thought as a 17 year old kid I thought oh they're setting him up for this angle where he's gonna lose a bunch of weight and he's gonna come back at the end of the year and be like super skinny or something like that and obviously that never happened but so I have, I have no idea what they were trying to accomplish there, me but. either but take a look at this card you got Flash Funk versus Leaf Cassidy wow Owen Hart and the British Bulldog versus fake Razor Ramon and fake Diesel oh fake Razor and Diesel Mark Miro versus Hunter Hearst Helmsley The Undertaker versus The Executioner and Psycho Sid versus Bret Hart. It feels like the WWF should pay us $30 to watch that instead of the other way around. And not only that, you were attributed to four dark matches. If you were there, yeah. Rocky Maivia versus Salvatore Sincere. Sal Sincere, Tom Brandy. <laughs> Baracus versus Dr. X. Uh, yeah, okay. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Goldust. And Shawn Michaels versus Mankind. Wow. So you're showing up for those two two last dark matches, maybe. Uh, yeah. But, and seeing the Undertaker's entrance, probably. Yeah. And not only that, the Undertaker Executioner match goes a whopping 11:32. I do think, and I don't, I'm not saying it's good, but I do think they go out. I remember them going out of the arena into some water. Yeah, he, I remember he throws the Executioner in the water. I think that's how it ends. Oh, there you go. Okay. That's at least different, but I, yeah, I don't guarantee it makes up for the fact that it's terrible. Oh, no. Oh, well, spoiler, we'll be covering it sooner than later, or eventually. I don't know if it's sooner, but... Oh, I, Mankind just walking right back into the steps and tripping over them. Right in front of our guys again. If you were at the December 9th, 96 Raw and were wearing any of those shirts that Stephen <laughs> mentioned earlier, please tweet us. If you can see tweets. Twitter broke today, by the way, folks. Uh, uh, unbeknownst uh, to me. Yeah, I can tell how active you were on Twitter today, right? I'm so was, active uh, on Twitter. I'm like, what, it's broken? <laughs> Twitter exists? They put, a, they put a limit on what you could, how many tweets you could see per day. It's like 600 or something like that, which for me is about five minutes. Literally. And then, um, and then some people say it's just a temporary problem, and it's a holiday weekend, and they don't have anybody, no support team people in there to work on it. Does Twitter ever have a support team? That's I don't know a good if question. it's temporary. I might have to get the Instagram. I might have to join the 21st century if this is you, I think you need to. I think, I think you talked about that like three months ago, and you still have not gotten one. I know. I'm nervous. I don't know. That's not the dancing one, right? That's TikTok. That's the one. <laughs> That's not the dancing one. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's try to get it right. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Did you get another ad, by the way? I am, yep. Two seconds okay. left. Sorry, folks. We don't pay for the uh, premium. Pay for premium. <laughs> premium cock, yeah. Now we are getting a commercial for It's Time as we go back to the match here. Presented by Karate Fighters. Oh, Karate Fighters. So terrible. Oh, even right in the mankind getting body slammed into the Spanish announce table. So the Spanish announce table was under siege even in 1996. Mankind and the Spanish announce table do not have a good history. 
as we'll see in our next episode, and we'll see in our next match. Jumping off the top rope into a choke slam hold, but then he counters it with a front drop to hold. This is not really a no holds barred match. They have hardly used anything outside the ring. As mankind oh. gets a chair, never mind. No, he went and got he went and got a soft chair though. It's one of the, it's a oh. chair with a cushion. <laughs> cushion chair. Yeah. Undertaker's gonna now kick the soft chair into mankind's face, and I think he's also gonna punch the soft chair. Wow. Into mankind's face. What was the purpose of uh, uh, taking Earl Hebner away? It's a no holds barred match. Right. Well, he's going for a tombstone, and that's reversed. A lot of the same spots that we saw three weeks ago at the Survivor Series. Tombstone reversed into a mankind uh, mandible claw, which, but the mandible claw has been beaten on all night again. Cactus Jack guy and Ric Flair shirt guy are mankind fans. The other two guys are must be Taker fans. Huh? They must be. They had not they did not stand up to that move. Undertaker's spending a good three minutes here with another man's hand in his mouth, which is awkward on national TV, but here we are. In the nineties everything was awkward. Right. By the way, I'm wearing I'm wearing the ninety six Undertaker shirt again. Oh, love that. Probably my favorite Undertaker shirt of the ones that I have uh, actually but although this is like a 3xl which is the problem yeah literally you like swimming in it randy i know i need some other people i need some friends to come over or something uh this is too big of a shirt see if you guy. can have that actually like maybe mended maybe they can make that smaller sure yeah, some of some of my shirts I've, I've actually bought mediums or larges if i can find them and then i'll sell my old one that's 35xl or whatever <laughs> can you imagine having that Whatever I was thinking, yeah. Well, there's a little kid in the front row with a shirt, with your shirt there, that oh. he's swimming in as well. So that is probably like a large men's that he is wearing. Maybe he could trade me. If you are that kid and you still <laughs> have the shirt. If you are that kid and you have that still large men's shirt, just hit up Randy and have a good trade. Undertaker limping. He's selling the limp. He's selling it. The tombstone. Does a full 360 to tombstone him in front of the hard cam. Undertaker, always a consummate pro, as he pins mankind. Man, it's over. Paul Bearer is shocked. And here comes guess who? Oh, the executioner. Damn executioner. They should call him the interferer. Er, er. <laughs> interferer. That's all he does is interfere. He's choking the. I guess this is called the Asiatic spike. They kept calling it the Asiatic spike. I don't know. Mankind forever. That's how we. That's how we end this pay per view or this uh, Monday Night Raw with him getting choked out. Now, before we go on to '98 main event we gotta talk we gotta talk toys in this era i already talked about after the last match where these guys go from here in terms mm -hmm. of ending 96 and going to 97 toys mankind we don't always talk about the opponent the toys but like that i, look I don't think we've ever talked about the opponent eh, sometimes if it makes sense but like that i looked up his ripped and ruthless series one. Oh yes pretty good for the brown jumpsuit uh Mankind, but also 
the Superstars line that they just released. The Superstars line, mm-hmm. Walmart exclusive. That one's not. A, that's a pretty good representation. Now, if you take the shirt off, it's a, he's a little bit more buff than the. Uh, a little bit more probably. buff. Right, but if you leave the shirt on, I mean, that's a pretty good representation of brown mankind, uh, also. But more importantly, the Undertaker, and this is what I was texting with you and Alex about uh, earlier. We were texting about some of the vintage toy stores that we plan on maybe visiting at SummerSlam in and around the Detroit area if Steven is able to come. Everybody feel free to tweet pressure on Steven to come to SummerSlam. (laughs) He just bought a house. It's tough, I know. But SummerSlam's been a plan for months to meet all of of us in person. We've all got plane tickets. Steven's got a SummerSlam ticket like we do. Put the pressure on everybody at Collective. Oh my God! Yeah, I will try. I don't know. SummerSlam. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in it for both of these figures for the Undertaker, just because they're they're unique shapes, and I had them as a kid, and I, I don't. Oh, have unique them shapes. Ooh, which ones I, are I, they? I kind of I sold them off. I think in my early twenties, and I was like, yeah, it's time to get rid of some of this crap. And I look back on that now, and I'm like, oh, it's oh. a mistake. It is. The 1997 Heroes of Wrestling 9-inch uh, leather. That's the leather Undertaker that he comes in. He's doing the Shakespeare pose. Oh, he's yes. Got, he falls over easily unless you put the stand that comes with it under his one leg. Yep. And, um, so that's, like you said, he wears this leather for two, three, three days at TV. Yeah. And he gets this Heroes of Wrestling 1997 9-incher and... 1997 14-inch talking taker, not the podcast talking taker, the figure with the button on the back shoulder. He's 14 inches. It's the biggest Undertaker I can ever remember having. And you press the button. And this is, luckily, it's a battery that you can change with a screwdriver with, the, like, the back panel out of his back. It's not like the plush ones that are screwed once the, the battery dies. So you can change the battery on him. But he says, like, um, uh, face your worst nightmare. You cannot kill what is already dead. And uh, he says like three or four different things if you hit that button. And I'm like, I would love. And they're not out of reach. If you look for them on the Edward Bay website. The Edward uh, Bay. On Edward Bay, courtesy of Edward Bay. And I think um, I think the 9-inch Heroes of Wrestling is in the 20s, like 24 bucks. You should just bucks. get a collection of the Leather Pirate Undertaker. I think those are the two. You got to have those two. You got to have the Ripped and Ruthless. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Ripped you gotta have you gotta have a Jack's BCA, uh, probably the buried alive version with the cape. Sure. You gotta have the little ringmaster. Yes, I remember that little guy. Yeah, I yeah. I, I think I had that too. Uh, so I wouldn't pass on that if I saw yeah. that. If you go to any of these toy shops, and I say we because you'll be there, um, <laughs> but I wouldn't pass on any of those if I found those in, in person. And so I'm kind of oh, waiting yeah. to see if I see them in person. But I think the one only one that's expensive, if you want to call it that. It's probably nothing compared to what you're buying. Uh, the 14-inch talking taker that uh, has the button that speaks, I think it's like 50 bucks or 45 bucks. Or 40, it's like in that area. It's I think when I got him, I think, yeah, I think I spent like 30 but not 30 to $40 on him. Yeah, it's, it's not out of reach like $500. And it's like, well, that's never happening, you know. But I think both of these are in reach, but I think I'm going to hold off unless somebody posts it for a great deal, like... Oh, $20. I mean, obviously, I'm going to jump on it. But uh, otherwise, I think I'm going to hold off till we're in Detroit. Maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe. Uh, get lucky with figures. Fine. <laughs> married folks, to say. <laughs> <laughs> He's married folks, you know. Right, right. Um, 
Yeah, you you just got you gotta get all the leather pirate undertaker figures. You gotta get that defining moments if you don't already have it. I do not have a defining moments. See, but aren't those way out in, in outer space, like for price or no? I have not checked them in a while. Well, because you have no need to, because you have it all. I'll just come to your house and take yours. Sure, just come to my house and take mine. I'm gonna come help you move, and then you'll <laughs> notice a lot of your shit isn't gonna make it to the new place. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to that tone? I don't know. I I got that when that first came out in like what was that? Like two thousand eleven, I think I got it at Toys of Us. Wow. My you know, while we're doing taxi cab confessions on Saturday night here, I can remember our Toys of Us closing in our, our Minneapolis area. Me too. Summer, and I went in there and they had that Undertaker box set that's got like purple yep. box and like five Undertakers. Mine too. I had my hands on it, and it was 20 bucks. Oh my god, why didn't you buy it? And I did not buy it, because I thought, I'm going to leave this here. I'll come back in the next week or two as they like, you know, as they have to keep lowering the price, because they've got to get rid of this shit. I was playing like the waiting game. I'm like, I'm going to get it for 10. Like, what? And now you see it online, and it's just an outer space. I mean, it's like $200. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. Ever, you know? I remember, I I remember our Toys R Us. I think the original price was like fifty, and and that was right near when they were closing. I think that came out like end of twenty seventeen, and they were closing like May of twenty eighteen. That was like right. right there when they were closing, and I think I I picked it up for like thirty dollars. Yeah, it was just before and I think I got back into collect, like just before. So I was very on the fence about it. And I think mine, my Toys R Us, I think it dropped like 16. I think I picked up a second one at 16. Oh my gosh. Well, if you need to get rid of one of those, if there's just too much clutter at your new place, um, I, I, gotta I have a subscriber to Steven Box. Yes, that's right. There is there is a lot of things I have duplicates of, so I, I, I know who to hit up first, you and Alex. Right, that's right. Yeah, we'll definitely help you find all the uh, Steven Box, yes, that's right. Cool, man. So let's do it. We got the main event. Uh, we, uh, the main event is the... The main event. The 25th anniversary of the most infamous Hell in the Cell match that WWE has ever produced. Uh, recently, Mankind and The Undertaker sat down uh, together to rewatch this match, share memories and everything, which we cannot compare to that watch-along that they put together. But, oh, my gosh. When that dropped, I was so glad to see it, but I was also like, no. Because I was thinking... Steven, uh, Steven, you're Steven. Alex and Travis did it uh, five years ago. I'm like, well, okay, they did it five years ago. We're at least that's at least five years ago. But like, at least nobody else is doing a watch along of this like we are this week. And then they drop <laughs> Mick Foley and the Undertaker doing one. Like, I know. Okay, can't compete with that. <laughs> but um, they said something in there that really, uh, I think, really stuck to me like more than anything. And they said that. This match will outlive both of them. Right. And it will. You're going to have people my age, younger, older, showing this to their children, their friends. People, you know, I show this match, this match and the Inferno match are the first two matches I show to people that to introduce them to The Undertaker, introduce them to why I'm a fan. And it's, it continues to live on like that. And it's gonna like what they said. It's gonna outlive both of them. And how how like 
um, just how much this match has an impact on both men's careers that it's something that they, if they never did anything else after that, they have this. And that's just, you know, 25 years later. People don't even talk about match anniversaries. Right. Not not as much as they talk about, like, the actual wrestler anniversary. They hardly talk about a match anniversary. But this one has a match anniversary that people talk about. So much so that they brought Undertaker and Mick Foley to do a watch-along of it. And that's just the, the lasting um, impact that this match has had. Yeah, they talk about, you know, Mick was so worried that the Shawn Michaels Undertaker original Hell in a Cell was the better match. It had it told a story, they did better wrestling, and Mick felt like he couldn't compete with that, so which is why Terry Funk laughingly suggested that he starts on top of the cage. Like, how could I top Shawn Michaels? Oh, why don't you start on top of the cage? That was my Terry Funk. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then, so Mankind, you know, Mick Foley kind of, ran with it and said yeah I'm going to because that's the only way I can top Shawn Michaels but you're right they don't they might have a tweet WWE might send a tweet like oh 25 years ago today you know Undertaker and Shawn Michaels had the original Hell in a Cell but they're not having watch alongs and they're not talking about it to the same point that this match which may have not have been the better wrestling match but the moments that no. come out of this match are have been reused and recycled in how many video packages? Video packages, it's, merchandise, yeah. shirts, action figures, video games. On right. multiple video games, you know, SmackDown vs. Raw 2006, WWE 13, you have to relive this match. You have to yeah. throw Mankind off the hell in the cell. You have to pass that challenge. You right. know, you're not, you're not doing this in other, you know, you know very rarely you do other matches... But you know you have to throw man. Everybody knows throwing mankind off the hell in the cell. Right, that's true. You know that's Mattel true. with the the recent defining moments figure, mankind with the thumbtacks in his back. Right. Uh, does, does that one have? We're bearing the lead here because we always do we do toys last. But doesn't that have the alternate head with the? Yes, with the tooth. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's just. Uh, you know, you see the only, when they talk about the Shawn Michaels match, they talk about Kane's debut. That's what they show. But the Mankind match, they show basically the match, and that's you know, Mankind did he set out to do what he did, and he topped Shawn Michaels' match. Right. And I talked about how I had gotten back into wrestling uh, in their original feud in October of '96. And I'm glad I got back on when I did because it seemed like the Attitude Era was just starting to kind of hit the runway and start to lift off. As I got back in, I was like, oh, what a great time to get back in. And oh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, 97 steadily was amazing, and then 98 was even better, and I was watching this as it happened because of that. And I think uh, I think by September of 98, I'm going to my first Raw, uh, the Zamboni Raw, which I'm, oblig I'm contractually obligated oh, to remind everybody I was yes. there. Uh, when it what, a up, like, what a raw! What a raw! That's only a couple months after this, so I'm so glad I got back into wrestling when I did in October of '96, thanks to these two guys, Mankind and the Undertaker. Oh man, you had you had the Zamboni, and then you had Undertaker and Kane crippling McMahon. I did, yeah. Wow, what a time to be alive! All day as a senior, I'm telling everybody I'm going to Raw tonight. They're gonna give you know they had the pay per view the night before with the double yep. pin. They're gonna decide 
who is actually the champion. It's not Steve. It's one of the other two. And I'm like, they're going to give the Undertaker the championship when I'm there. And uh, that did not happen, but uh, it was a pretty good show anyway. Yeah, it was. Well, are you ready to watch the most infamous Hell in a Cell match ever? I am. I am queued up, by the way, at um, uh, 151.31, which is him standing. Obviously, Mick Foley's already on top of the cell, and uh, Undertaker is walking up to it wearing his Batman-like cape from 98 that he's going to take off and eventually start climbing the fence. Okay, hang on. Let me get to 151.31. This is kind of a... This this match was kind of cold, right? Like, they had their 96 feud that ended at our last match from Raw. Mm -hmm. They did hook up once in 97 for Revenge of the Taker, as we've been saying. And then 98, they've just really been doing some tag stuff because, you know, Mankind and and Kane are tag champs. Yes. Undertaker wins this first tag belt, so Steve Austin, we covered that in our... Undertaker Championship Wins series. Check that out in the archives. In the archives for sure. And uh, so, like, this just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, that it's supposed to be, I, I guess I heard it was supposed to possibly be Steve and Mankind working this show, but somehow, some way, it got changed. And here we are. It's The Undertaker and Mankind kind of cold out of nowhere. Um, I think they did on the 615 Raw, they did have Mankind uh, and Kane team up against Stone Cold and The Undertaker in the actual um, second official Hell in the Cell on Raw. That's right. uh, Which we will get to eventually. uh, And it ended in a no contest with The Undertaker attacking Paul Bearer. And then I think Mankind was just signed to defend his team's honor against The Undertaker. You know, Paul Bearer and Kane and mankind are all kind of in a stable together so here we go yeah because uh the month prior at fully uh the month actually after this at fully loaded undertaker and stone cold win the tag tag team belts from kane and mankind uh so was it's that, almost like first watch along? i think it was first ever watch along like memories <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> so i think this is just like prior to putting undertaker and austin as a team they split them, put them against two people that become tag team champions, and Undertaker goes with Mankind because he already is coming off of the thing with Kane, so not don't continue the Kane thing. Basically. There you go. So one th- 51-31, I am ready to rock and roll. How about you? Before you hit play, I just gotta ask one question. I know that very famously you did not come into wrestling... Uh, or The Undertaker, until you saw Steve get hung on Undertaker's symbol. Sim- crucified, that's religious. No, that's symbolic. It's symbolic. But, and that doesn't happen until the end of 90, like December of 98 going into 99. So Correct. You were technically not around for this in real time. So do you remember, instead of asking you, where were you when you watched this when it happened, you weren't, you weren't watching it, but what, where were you when you first heard of this or saw this eventually? Do you remember? Yes, I saw it uh, when on the Phenom VHS tape. Oh, that's right. I got into Undertaker December of '98. Um, after seeing him put Austin on his symbol because it's symbolic, it's not a crucifixion. Um, so 
then in like 99 i think that's when the vhs tape came out i think it came out about march of 99 and then in that vhs tape they talk about like from his 96 to his end of 98 and of course this is a big part of the vhs tape the biggest parts of the vhs tape is the uh the feud with kane and the hell in the cell match and i was like what the hell right so and i think that was like coming off this coming right before wrestlemania and WrestleMania had a Hell in a Cell match with Big Boss Man. I'm like, oh my god, he's going to throw him off too. I can't wait. <laughs> womp womp, sad trombone. But... Womp womp. But he hung him, symbolically. So. Yes. To your to your point, you talked about all the moments that are remembered from this match and how they've been recycled in video packages and toys and videotapes. And that's where you saw it. That's where I saw it. I never. There was no YouTube. You couldn't re-watch a pay-per-view. And, you know, by the, what, the end of 98, that VHS of King of the Ring is long gone. Sure. So, yeah, thank God for the Undertaker Phenom VHS tape, or I would have never seen this until much, much later. I still have mine. Me Let's too. Nice. Yes. Okay, I'm ready when you are. Let's do it. Let's count it down. Okay, count it down. Three, two, one, play. Taker slowly uh, stripping down, not in leather, unlike the other two matches tonight. And the Undertaker, who fought Mick Foley for ten days, like let's not let's not start on the cage, let's not go up to the top. Undertaker finally giving in and going up to the top. Like he had a choice at this point, he's already up there. Right, Mick talked about in that YouTube watch along, like the whole time he's standing on the ceiling of this cage waiting for Undertaker's entrance he's like how do I get down and not look like a wuss and ruin my career <laughs> <laughs> like everybody's everybody looks like ants right he got up there and was like oh my god this is way too high like this is bad decision bad decision right? they, you can start to see this top of this mesh fence ceiling is not very stable it's ready to give any second there's random like zip ties flying everywhere as they walk mankind's using a chair four seconds into this match where is this match going that a chair is already being used four seconds in and is nowhere near the peak of this match you walk here and i think they're it almost they almost fall through can you imagine if that would have happened i'm sure they're built a little better now but holy cow this is bad <laughs> Random zip ties everywhere. Random Man, zip ties. He's going for a suplex here, and the Undertaker shuts that shit down right away. Yeah, he said that on the YouTube thing. He's like, "There's no way I'm letting you suplex me on this ceiling." Yes. Here we go. Boom. Just Can you imagine? Through. Just there it goes. Wow. <laughs> and I, as a kid, I celebrated. I was watching this match, and I was like. The Undertaker is just kicking his ass. This is like him versus Kurt Angle at Fully Loaded 2000. This is a squash. And then now as I've gotten older, I'm like, this is all Mick Foley giving his body to his art. The Undertaker didn't do a whole lot uh, this evening, uh, but it's all Mick putting himself through just the ringer to, to entertain those fans. Undertaker saying that he is right now having an out-of-body experience. Just, that, yeah. just seeing himself just standing there over him 
And I love how we don't know if Nick is dead or paralyzed. We have no idea the extent of his injuries, but they are going to replay this some bitch. Oh, yeah. I just, I just, you know, you know Vince is in the back saying, we played that ten times, pal. <laughs> and they, they talked about how... Can you imagine just being either. there? Can you just imagine just being there in that moment? Oh my gosh, and he's like, he's halfway under the guardrail and you're in the first row and he gets thrown at you, you know? <laughs> and they talked about nobody knew, so like... Uh, Vince knew, Undertaker knew, Mankind knew. So, like, Hugo Savinovich is sitting there at this Spanish announce <laughs> table as Mick Foley just gets thrown at him, you know? <laughs> his light flashing before his eyes. Right. Like, what a, what a moment to say for the next rest of your life. You know, if you had to be in any match, you know, I was at the Undertaker-Mankind-Hell-in-the-Cell match. <laughs> right, I was there live. I was there live. Nick Foley's kind of thinking, well, at least the worst part of my night is over. Oh, yeah. That, that unfortunately, is yeah. not true. I'm not going to go through the cell again. Are you kidding no. me? <clears throat> and they eventually have to, like, Undertaker's just standing on this cage, and he's like, what do I do now? I can't, do I, just, do I jump off? Do I climb Oh, yeah, out? do I just blow off, just kill you, just, you know, just commit suicide live on TV, Undertaker? So they don't know what to do, so they just keep showing it over and over again. This guy could be paralyzed, so they just keep showing it, uh, the replay, over and over again. They're eventually going to lift the cage because they've got to get the stretcher through, so the Undertaker's going to get lifted even further in the air. As J.I. would put it, as he gets lifted eventually, I remember, he's like... He's like standing on top of the WWF, and what what great what great words from Jr. Yeah, I remember when Jr. said that. Yeah, was that also on the Phenom tape? Yes, I think so. We should have counted the replays. How many times that they they showed? My the God! Oh, slow it down now, pal. I think there's some there's a little kid voice from the crowd. You could hear somebody like finish the match, Mick. Like people are egging him on to finish the match. I mean, I, I I thought this pay-per-view was over. Like, I thought, well, that's it. They're raising the cage. They're bringing in the stretcher. That's... Can you imagine the match and just ended here? Right. Like, this has got to be it. They got Slaughter out there. They got all the reps out there. I mean, like, they, they talked about, uh, I think Mick talked about on his podcast with Conrad Thompson that, like, Conrad was like, how did you know when to turn your body, like, so you didn't hit the, you didn't hit the monitors, uh, you know, like, he was like, well, we didn't want to remove the monitors, we didn't want to give away what we were going to do, and, well, how did you know when to turn your body in the middle of the air so you would land back first, you know, and, and between the two monitors, and he's like, I didn't, I didn't know, I just told him to throw me, you know, and they just, he just kind of, he literally winged it. Just film me. So lucky. So, so lucky. I mean, you could have... Can you imagine just falling on the monitors and just paralyzing your back? Or falling on the announcers, or getting thrown in the first row. I mean, who knows, you know? On, onto some people. They are wheeling McFoley out. It really couldn't have gone any better than it did. Right. I don't know if you replayed it a hundred times if it would have went that well ever again. There's the Undertaker with his pre-existing broken ankle 
standing on top of the WWF. That's a 15 foot high steel cage and he's lifted up probably six, seven, eight more feet. And they've got Mick Foley now in the, uh, he's got his mask off. So he took his mask off. Now he's like a human being, right? He's not mankind anymore. He's Mick Foley, this human. Uh, and uh, they take him out in the middle of the aisle and they stop. So he must have told him, like, I can get back in there. The Lord of Darkness has sent mankind perpetually in permanent darkness. Right. Taker's trying to figure out how to climb down. Part of this is probably showmanship. Not really sure if we're going to keep the match going or not, but he's also probably legitimately trying to figure out how to get down with this bum ankle. Yeah, like, I don't want to break it any worse, which right. he will do. He will jump down very soon and probably break it even worse. Right. Mankind wants to go back up, and he starts climbing it again. So the Undertaker starts climbing too. I, I can't believe... He was able to keep going with this. And you're right, neither of these guys missed any time, as far as I remember. They, they're on Raw the next night. They're on the next pay-per-view. Mm -hmm. Mankind and Undertaker on later on in the show. Yeah. So now we're back on the top of the of the cell, and this isn't going to last very long. It's unfortunately going to get much worse. Undertaker sizing up for a choke slam here. Boom! <laughs> That's it, he's Ruby. dead. That's it, he's dead is maybe my favorite Jerry Lawler line ever. And I still say it in everyday life anytime I can. <laughs> and that bump had to be worse than the first one. Would somebody and, stop the damn match? <clears throat> so many good sound bites that come out of this match. Um, I think Mick talked about thinking in his head, he's going to choke slam me three, four, five times, and it's going to give way a little bit, the ceiling. He's going to give away a little bit each time until I finally fall through. And he had no clue that it was so chintzy that he was going to fall through first time like no problem. Well, there goes the foot. Yeah, and he land, Taker had to jump through the hole in the ceiling and landed on his bad foot. And now Taker's going to buy some time for Mick Foley by beating the shit out of Terry Funk and choke slamming him out of his shoes. We need a Terry Funk with removable shoes. Yes. Terry Funk in dirty-ass socks. Watch when Funk leaves the ring. He's got some dirty-ass... Look at the bottom of those socks. What the hell's going on with that guy? Some dirty-ass socks with holes in them. Right. That chair that went down with Mick Foley just nailing him in the face and cutting a hole in the bottom of his lip there and apparently somehow, some way, getting a tooth in his nose. <laughs> Shoes, hats, chairs all in the ring. Taker's got, uh, Mick Foley has just went over the cell, through the cell. Undertaker has a torn shirt. So far, that's his damage. It's a torn shirt. And a broken, and an even worse broken ankle. Right, yeah. It's good. And we're going to do an old school check here, Stephen. Believe it or not, after all this carnage, we're going to do an old school check. Two for two tonight. That's not even Undertaker's. I don't even think that's his uh, usual ring gear shirt. And they, uh, of all evenings, Mankind is able to 
stop the old school. And there's the smiling shot that we're all familiar with, where it looks like he's smiling, but he's trying to push his bloody tongue through his bloody hole and his bloody lip with his gross booger tooth uh, in his nose. <laughs> Which something that Undertaker said in that YouTube thing I never thought of. He called it an incisor. And I, I think he's right. So, like, I, I never thought about which tooth it was in his nose. Like, it, this isn't one of his front teeth. This is somehow a tooth from the back. One of the big ones that somehow worked its way out and got all the way out of its mouth into his nose. Like, this is crazy. Wow. It's like the Kennedy bullet. The magic bullet theory. Yes, I'm, I am familiar. Sir. Uh, yeah, I know you are. Cardboard JFK right there. Above my finger. <laughs> I know you'd be familiar. Yeah. It's like a, t a tooth way in the back, dislodges, goes here, goes there, comes up there. Back and to the left, yes. Uh, Undertaker being very sympathetic to Mick Foley by beating the shit out of him with ring steps after he's just gotten thrown off the cell and through the cell. He's going to come at him with ring steps. Very sympathetic man. Yes. <laughs> he wears his heart on the sleeve. Right. He's... I, I don't remember um, having Undertaker's killing him right now with these right-handers. Uh, best pure striker in the game. I don't know if you've heard that before. but uh, Many times. Mankind gets more offense here than I remember in this match. I remember being a straight-up squash, but he, he does get some offense in here. Oh, Taker diving from between the uh, top rope and middle rope, and he got nothing but the uh, mesh fence on the outside mankind's whole thing was wanting to get to the tax it was the first time in North America I guess like that the tax have ever been used and he mm -hmm. just wanted to be that he was like Neil Armstrong walking the moon like he wanted to get the tax out and um, so that's why he stuck with this match oh yeah is grating the Undertaker's face into the side of the cell right now. Again, I don't remember any of this. I don't remember any of this Mick Foley offense. So much Mick Foley offense. He's, uh, JR saying hell is in Pittsburgh tonight. As they come back into the ring, he's going to do that Mick Foley wedgie pile driver that we talked about earlier. Give him a wedgie and a pile driver out of the chair. And, like, Mick goes for a cover and gets a two count. Like, I don't remember any of that. Taker bleeding. All Mick Foley's been through, and he's not bleeding on his face. I don't take his bleeding. Right. Mick's, uh, yeah, he's bleeding internally, um, I'm sure. Well, oh yeah, I'm sure of it. <laughs> Mick puts the chair in the Undertaker's face and gives him a Hulk Hogan stinky leg drop onto his face with the chair. Going for another cover. And a kick out. I don't remember that either. I don't know how many times I've seen this match. I've seen the, the replay of the spots the you know throwing him off the cell a million times but oh sure 
watching the actual match, I don't know, maybe five or six times over the last 25 years. It's not like I watched every Sunday, you know. Double arm DDT, that's a Mick Foley signature right there. Jerry Lawler is uh, hypothesizing that the booger is actually a piece of wood from a table. Hmm. And finally, Mick Foley gets his damn tax. Nobody knows what it is yet, because it's not something that's done every day in wrestling, but now they know what it is. And the crowd starts reacting. Thumbtacks. Steven, I would take I would take a tax spot. I would. I would take a tax spot on TV. I don't think I'd be afraid of that. But I would not want to take the coup de gras from Finn Balor. I do not want a 250-pound man jumping off the top rope and stomp, double stomping me in the sternum. I would rather take, I would rather take attacks. I think that's fair. Right. Oh, Undertaker can go for a choke slam. Oh no! Big boot. Gonna go for the tombstone. And the tombstone reversed into the mandible claw. We saw that twice in our 96 matches. They go back to it here in 98. See, he was not working on that mandible claw hand. Right, he ditched the strategy, and that's why he's having so much trouble. JR pumping up the Mankind win-loss record against Undertaker, which is... Pump it up, pump it up. 2-98, and 98, as we said. Still impressive. Tim Dwight is the uh, I didn't realize that Tim White is the is the is the ref in this match and he his career ends in a hell in a cell in a few years. I think it was two thousand and two. Yeah. Uh, Jericho Triple H, I think. Oh, Taker reversing the mandible claw into a like he's gonna I don't know, he's piggy giving him a piggyback ride, he's gonna give him a backsplash into the tax. But he can't see, so he kind of dumps him near the tax, and then Mick rolls into them. And Mick Foley says in that YouTube video, I didn't feel like I got enough tax, so they called the audible. And he said, choke slam me into the tax. And that's how this choke slam comes about. Oh my god. Like, I didn't get enough of him. <laughs> he, was, he was obsessed with the tax. I'm surprised he didn't have him tombstone him in him. There, yep, right there. Direct hit on the tax. There you go. You happy? Oh. Death and tax is? Stop it. Right? Oh. <laughs> uh, and the Undertaker signaling for the end. Mercifully. That's what JR says. Mercifully, it's over here after this tombstone. It's not in the tax, but you know there's a couple strays over there. Oh. And I love Mick Foley acting like he was going to kick out right before the three count there. How the hell did they put on a whole match after that first spot? I, I'll never know. Yeah, I never know. And with the, the, I mean, I don't know. Is this the last time they, they hook up here one-on-one? -on -one? I think so. I mean, they do... The tag team stuff, 
I think, with, you know, the tag team titles and stuff. They do all that, but, like, I don't think that they ever come back. They don't ever circle back to Undertaker um, and Mankind. So, kind of a good theme here. We, we buttoned up the 1996 original feud uh, with those first two matches, and then this is their last ever match on TV or pay-per-view that I'm aware of anyway. Feel free to tweet us if we're wrong. Oh, yeah, or, please. If you can see Twitter at all anymore at this point, but... <laughs> <laughs> and I, like we said earlier I can't believe Mick Foley I was, I, I was like holy crap he got through the match hope he's alright we probably won't see him until like Christmas like he's going to be out a couple months and this guy shows up like you said he does a run in later in the night in the Kane Stone Cold world title match the first blood match he does a run in or a, I guess a limp in <laughs> and he comes back on Raw the next night, and he doesn't miss the July pay-per-view. Uh, it is just crazy. He's, he's at he's at SummerSlam defending the tag team title solo against the Outlaws. Yeah, in a dumpster match, I think. Right, like he just does not miss any time. Undertaker is off, as you know. He's going to go off to the highway to hell to face Stone Cold Steve Austin for the world title. At SummerSlam '98, which and then uh, breakdown. Here for that? No. Well, I never thought he was gonna win. Uh, I, I, it was a cool music video, cool package, cool build up for the pay per view, but I was under no illusion that he was gonna beat Stone Cold. No, I was hoping. I was oh, hoping we all know. hope. We all hope when he when. Yeah. But alas. And there. For good measure, let's see some more replays of throwing him off the set. Yes. <laughs> wow. And then there's the through the ceiling spot. Ouchies. With these zip ties. I can't believe it was put together with zip ties. And then through the tacks. That's it, he's dead. That's it, he's dead. Good God almighty, good God almighty. He oh is gosh. broken in half. What are some good, what would you say are some good toys to represent? Like, this is just generic 98 Undertaker. Like you said, the shirt he wore today doesn't even look like one of his normal shirts. Uh, yeah. That's why I picked this, this Jack's, like, mold. It feels like they used 107 times. I just picked a generic 98 Undertaker just to represent 1998 Undertaker for today's match. I don't know. Maybe the Ultimate Edition Undertaker, that's from WrestleMania 14, if you take the Batman cloak off. Maybe that would be a good representation of June of 98 Undertaker. You got any other ideas? Well, definitely I like that BCA Undertaker, that nice thick mold. It feels like a real sturdy figure. Sure. Yeah, the Ultimate Edition without the, the cape, uh, that's, you know, reminiscent of 1998 Undertaker. Um, but, yeah, it's something that's not really... It's, a, it's an era that's very important to Undertaker's history, but it's not something that's done a lot in action figures. Right. I mean, I was stretching. I was like, maybe Championship Showdown, SummerSlam 97. I mean, he's got the teardrop, which is not right, but it's... Yeah, no, that, yeah that and the Legends shirt. figure, that's 97 Taker. Right, right. Um, and Nick, as you talked about, that def I was going to bring up that Defining Moments uh, ringside exclusive that they just came out with, with the tooth and nose head option. Um, that That is exactly from this match, so you can't get any better than that. Yeah, you can't. Oh, one more replay here. 
uh, a slow-mo replay of Mick. Like, this was in Mick Foley's Titan Tron, I'm pretty sure. Eventually. Yeah, it was. And there's JR with the damn black hat that he picked up at Royal Rumble 97. We gave it to him at Royal Rumble 97. He never looked back. Right. Wow. That's it, man. That's, that's our, it. That's our, that's our Mick Foley We night. have put... The uh, we have put this to rest in peace. Um, any parting words? Anything we, that we've seen or anything else? Well, you and I have talked about next month. Uh, well, this month. This month, uh, two weeks, two July, or three weeks. We were our our schedule says that we were going to unless something happens out there in the real world to make us pivot. We were going to stay in 1996 and we were going to do Gold Dust. We were going to do That's right. two casket matches from uh, In Your House, uh, Beware of the Dog. So the, the one that aired, that was the, that was the pay-per-view that had the thunderstorm. I think and so. They lost power and they had to redo it. So we were going to watch, obviously, the match that got aired. But I think that there might be footage, if you Google it, out to look. I think maybe there's Daily Motion. Uh, but I think there's a, a, a forum out there that you can find the match from night one. Hmm. Well, maybe we should watch, I was going to say we should watch both versions. And uh, if we can find both versions, we'll, we'll watch both versions. And then they do have a final curtain match in September of 1996. Uh, whatever the hell that is. We'll figure that out next month. <laughs> Sounds like a rest in peace match rehashed. Pretty much, yeah. No holds barred kind of a thing. Yes. Well, I guess, well, that puts an end to our three faces of Foley triple threat watch along uh, to commemorate the 25th anniversary week of the most infamous WWE match, most infamous Hell in the Cell match ever produced uh, between The Undertaker and Mankind. Something that will outlive not only both men, outlive probably every wrestling fan ever. Um, that this match will be continuously talked about uh, until the end of time because it's just that iconic. And I really couldn't ask you were saying? You would say you and I, Stephen, well, we now know that feeling because this podcast will live longer <laughs> than you or I. That's right. right. So now right. this podcast can enter into the annals of uh, outliving so many people in this world. And um, just joining into the, again, just feeding into how uh, immortal this match is as another podcast, another watch-along has entered into doing something that commemorates and reminisces, uh, reminisces about this match. And uh, thank you, Randy, for joining me here today. Could ask for anybody else to uh, be here to take a look back at perhaps the Undertaker, Undertaker's greatest gimmick match, the Hell in the Cell against Mankind. So uh, make sure to follow Randy on Twitter because he, he does not have an Instagram yet. At Pokey's Little Dog, if it is even working at this moment. How about this? If Steven Zeman gets a flight and comes to SummerSlam, <laughs> I will at the Airbnb in Michigan. I will sign up for Instagram. Oh can my God! Steven Zeman will help me sign up for Instagram. If that's not content, I don't know what. Is. I don't know what is. Well, you have to. I will try my best, and I will report back. All 
Alright, sounds good. Uh, Pokey's Little Dog, where you can find all your updates on The Undertaker, uh, Real Shitty B-Movie Horror, and John F. Kennedy. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead if it is even working at this moment. Uh, on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on this video. And we shall be back in two or three weeks' time with our next July episode. We will take a look back at Goldust. I know if that's not enough riveting uh, stuff to get people back, I don't know what is. But uh, we'll be back same taker time, same taker channel. So we keep on rolling, baby. Thank you so much, Randy, for always being here and for never falling asleep when I do. Man, I wanted to today. I had, uh, <laughs> I think my Fitbit says I have 22,000 steps today. I, uh, I got up in the morning, hit the treadmill, went from treadmill to mowing the lawn, mowing the lawn and trimming the lawn trimming the lawn to fertilizing the lawn and then you gotta like blow off the driveway so all the grass clippings and all the fertilizers and on the driveway so I had like 8 miles on my Fitbit right like I am super proud of myself so I'm all sweaty I'm all drenched and gross so I'll just close this episode by telling you and all of America or the world I go upstairs to my shower and I'm, I'm taking I'm peeling off all these clothes that are just sticking to me I got the shower running I'm gonna get in clean off and just lay down because I'm so tired after, and I see on my Fitbit, holy crap, 22,000 steps, like that's a lot, you know, and so I'm like, I gotta take a picture of this and send this to my wife, and like, I gotta show her, like, I kicked ass today, this is crazy, and uh, so, you know, again, I peeled off all these clothes, I'm just getting ready to get in the shower, I'm in front of the bathroom counter, I snap a picture of standing up, I'm standing, I snap a picture of my Fitbit, send it to my wife, like, Wow, look at all these steps. I get in the shower, I have a good shower, I clean up, I come out, I'm drying off, and I pick up my phone, and my wife texts me back, and she's like, nice, but did you look Did you look below your wrist? And I'm like, what is she talking about? So I scroll back up to the picture, and uh, Steve and I inadvertently sent a D-pick to my wife, because I was nude, getting ready to get in the shower, and I took a picture of my wrist, and my... <laughs> I admit that's how tired I was today, Steve, and I inadvertently sent a D-pick to my wife, and, uh, but I still, I did not fall asleep, I still made it, I still made it for this show tonight, that's how tired I was, but I'm still here, because I get that excited talking about The Undertaker. Yes, you get that excited, I'm sure it showed in that photo as well. Right. And on those and on those closing moments, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode, as... <laughs> We'll be back next time. Same take a time, same take a channel. And you never know what kind of pictures may show up in the meantime. Thank you for joining me here. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And see you next time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead and on Instagram at CollectingDeadMan. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling. <laughs>